Hey, how you doing? Um, hope you're well. Thanks for uh, clicking on the link, downloading the, this podcast. Um, sorry there hasn't been one out for a while. I recorded this one with Andy at the end of November, so I haven't got it out for a few weeks. Um, loads of excuses, um, working with my lovely clients, um, uh, finishing my degree and, and getting all that sorted and banging my head against the wall, probably like many of you, in terms of the complete shit shower that... And Brexit has become, although you got to laugh, haven't you? Um, so this is with Andy Milson, who's a client of mine. Um, Andy's a great creative mind, um, a very challenging creative, someone who keeps pushing the boundaries of, of what creativity should be and what it could become in a digital space. Um, he's the founder of Human, uh, previously Three Straight Lines, and, and is one of my clients. Um, I wanted to get Andy on the podcast to talk about how... Um, in my mind, and, and get his opinion on has digital and the, the, the lost its creativity, has it lost in, in effect its creative soul in this rush for um, people's attention, this desire for people's attention, this desire for visibility, for return on investment, for, for, for monotony in many ways of design and process and transactions and et cetera, et cetera. And I just wanted to get his, get his insight on it. Um, we uh, uh, talk about that, we talk about the future of agencies, we have a little bit of cricket in here as well, um, and we just generally kind of chew the fat over where creativity's place in, in digital is. Um, as usual, I've made a little wicket with the technology, so for the first three minutes there's a bit of feedback and a bit of echo on the process, on the, on the recording. hope that doesn't ruin your enjoyment too much. Um, that only lasts about three minutes in and then everything's fine after that he says hopefully I uh, hope you enjoy it and I'll, um, I'll speak to you at the end okay so we're off and running hello Andy hello Dave <laughs> to coin right. a, a phrase from the League of Gentlemen very good it went maybe with uh, actually uh, maybe can, can, can you edit that in yeah like <laughs> well maybe <laughs> oh Christ I can hardly get the uh, as I've been told by you and a few others. I can hardly get the volume right on it. So me editing in a cut from the League of Gentlemen is going to be almost bloody impossible. <laughs> um, how are you? Very well. Um, well, you know how I am because we've just talked about it before, <laughs> before we turned the light on. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, thanks for agreeing to come on, actually, because um, I, know, I know, actually, especially at the moment, you're really busy. So, um, and you've got a kind of, party stroke do stroke meal to get to tonight so. yeah christmas uh, christmas work due on the 30th of november they which doesn't that. feel right well it's a good good date check as well so people know when this is being recorded oh, so well, they not meant to do that yeah they do but everyone will immediately know how long it's taken me to make it sound F- half find, decent. find the legal gentleman clip <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i've got them somewhere um, <laughs> It's not my Alan Partridge app on my phone. Got that. That's <laughs> um, so what we're going to do, like I said, we're just going to chat about you, really, and about your influences and about what's motivated you and inspired you culturally. Um, and, and as you know, and as quite a few people um, who I chat to know, I'm really passionate about creativity and creative minds and creative people, probably because I haven't got one myself. So um, what interested you... How did you first become a creative, right? Silly well, question, maybe, but how did you first get into it? I think, I think what, what we'll do is we'll start with your, your down point there, Dave. So um, I, I think everybody's creative. I, I, I don't get this, this bit where people say they're not. Hmm. Um, just because you're not a creative by trade, you're a 
still a creative person. You come up with ideas, you solve problems, you, you, you have to think creatively to solve um, any problem, whether it's um, a kind of UX problem or a kind of wider problem in the world, whatever it might be. Um, you're just not on the kind of the, the visualization of the copyright inside of creativity. Um, how did I get into it? Mm. I never wanted to do anything else. Um, so never, way, never. No, um, well, I wanted to be a rally driver once, but that didn't happen. Um, nice. But if you literally go back to uh, school, when we did a kind of careers uh, fairs and all that kind of stuff, um, I always wanted to be a graphic designer when I was about 14, 15 years old. Yeah. Um, and I had an interest in art. I was a, I was a painter. I did kind of art at school, A-level art, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I wanted to be an artist, so I wanted to be a fine artist. And at that point, I thought, great. Um, and then I got my logical head on and went, that's going to be very hard to make a career out of. Um, so so I went down the commercial route with it, um, finished my A-levels, went to college, went to the Arts Institute, as it was called. Um, now it's um, AUB. Spent a year there. Did a great foundation course that they had, which was a bit of fine art, a bit of illustration, photography. Um, and at that point, I, the internet was kind of coming out. So this was back in the days of Netscape Navigator. And um, a friend of mine, he's a, a, a computer engineer, developer, um, worked out how to use HTML. So we spent a night building a website, um, which was a port portfolio site for me. And I just thought, oh, I love this kind of idea of people interacting with what I what I produce, uh, mm. I really kind of like that. Instead of being a print designer, which to me was a little bit, little bit flat, a little bit boring. Um, mm. I wanted to build things that moved and could be, people could kind of play around with. So that was where that was where that came from. Um, when I did the degree um, to finish off, got my qualification up in Cardiff, um, which was a great place to be a student. Uh, and then I ended up spending another five years up there working. First job I had was um, at BT, who had a in-house development team. It's kind of actually it was an in-house studio, uh, like an agency, and they did work for themselves, but they also did work for external clients. Uh, that that kind of like the idea of working with BT's team. Um, I was there kind of on a, a scholarship from college for about three months. That was all, and then I moved into um, uh, the exhibitions industry. So I went in as a as a kind of web guy, but also doing touchscreen work, um, large format video work. We did some really groundbreaking stuff around Europe, uh, which was great fun. I got to travel quite a bit with them. Um, and then their, their graphic designer left, so I ended up doing quite a bit of large format um, graphics work, which is always amazing to, to kind of see when you fly out to um, Athens and, and places like that and, and working in Barcelona and Paris. Um, so that was, that was all fun. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do um, because the agency I was in at that point um, had various different ways of of working um, and there, there were lots of kind of different revenue streams. One of which was websites. So I was kind of developing the websites at the same time. Um, this was back when you could get away with just designing on a 960 grid and cutting things up in fireworks or whatever to, to deploy to live. There was no real kind of great skill in developing uh, front end at that point in time. Um, then I left there, went traveling for a bit and then I kind of came back and landed back in Bournemouth um, in the middle of the old recession, but it took me three months to find a job. Eventually, um, worked for a digital agency down here called WeClick. Spent I think 
I think the best part of five years there. Um, and we worked with some kind of big brands over there. Some, some, some very interesting projects. Um, and then after about 17 years of working for other people in the industry, I decided it was time not to help them make more money. Um, was was kind of time for a new challenge and to, to go it alone and try and build my own business. What made you make that decision? Um, firstly, it, it, it seemed like the right time. Um, I had been thinking about it for a while. I would just wake up and kind of go, yeah, that's what I want to do. Um, yeah, it... There was things that, that, I mean, Weekly was a good agency, but there was things there that, that I wasn't kind of, um, the way we worked wasn't, wasn't, didn't kind of suit me anymore. Um, the, it was very much, um, we built websites for people and they're always saying, well, we can, we can carry on building relationships with clients and, and working longer term with them. Um, and I kind of realized that, that looking around, not many agencies were doing that um, at the time. So I thought, right, okay, I, I want to kind of move away from, from, um, the more churn side of the work, and actually take on a take on a more kind of um, strategic and alongside creative role, um, and do my own thing. That that was the, the master plan. Um, it didn't quite work out like that when I left, which I, I'll talk to you about in a minute. But um, the other thing was it was a different challenge. I always kind of went into um, running the business. I kind of sat down and worked out, uh, looking looking from the very pessimistic side of it. Um, how much money do I need to earn to survive and keep my Sky Sports subscription? Um, and it, t- it turns out it wasn't actually that much money. So I thought, right, okay, fine, actually, this could work. And if it doesn't work, there's so many agencies in, in Bournemouth that you could just slot back into one if you needed to. So it was, uh, it was a different challenge, a business challenge. Uh, and there's been a lot of challenges along the way. Um, so, yeah, so... so my setup, as it was, three straight lines at the time, which was was a limited company from day one, but I started out for the first year as, as a freelancer, essentially, putting my hand to anything that that we could do or I could do, um, alongside a few few people that worked kind of closely closely with me. Um, and at that point in time, it was it was <laughs> digital banner ads, it was yeah. print stuff, a bit of branding work, a bit of web work, some UX, a little bit of strategy. Um, it was basically whatever I could get my hands on. Um, and I quickly realised that 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 kind of work wasn't difficult to get. You just need to go and speak to people in agencies and the abundance of of, of successful agencies in Bournemouth that have that have plenty of work. Um, it, it, you know, I was I was working until two o'clock in the morning. Um, in my kitchen because I was working at home to start with to keep costs down um, getting up at six going to the kitchen carrying on again um, and I quickly realized that, that that's not really what I wanted to do um, we had I had some some uh, direct clients so it was about 10% of our work was direct clients about 90% was through agencies um, and then in year two that switched around to to very little agency work um, and there we, we still work with a few agencies now but they're kind of a select and picked um, group that we we collaborate with rather than do production for it's interesting because um when you talk about the challenge side i've i've had as you know you well know and quite a few people i speak to well know i've had opportunities to start up an agency myself and especially after leaving uh gc or ia ia digital in happier days i think there to be fair um it would have been quite easy. I suppose it would have been relatively easy for me to go off and go, okay, right, I'll, um, I'll uh, start my own agency. And, and, and when you said, oh, yeah, okay, it's a real challenge for me, I can get that. I really understand that motivation for, for you 
and for the guys I work for Key and Crateful and EUX, I can really get that motivation. But for me, I, I the challenge I kind of wanted to, or I felt like I had to do was how many, how many people can I help in the background? I've never, I never personally wanted to be the one at the front. I certainly never wanted to be the one with my name in the company, in the company's name. Um, so what, what do you think from, from your perspective, why do you think you had that, that desire that I haven't got? What, what motivated you to kind of really set up your own, set up on your own? Is it a bit of ego? Is it a bit of the creative juices running through? You want to be recognised for your creativity? What, what do you think it is? Um, part, I mean, part of it was um, you know, at the time I'm not done with, with creative and uh, strategy and production, that side of it. So it was very much kind of coming out of an agency. It, it's, it's relatively straightforward to, to step to take. It's not as if I'm taking a startup and rolling with something completely different. Or, or opening a cafe or something it's you know it is what I'm used to so actually it's a pretty safe area to step into um there's yeah there probably is a little bit of ego in it um it's certainly not a money driven thing although um you know, the, the times aren't, aren't bad and we've, we've been quite successful um it, it's more a control thing so being in control of the work we do the work we don't do, um, the production of the work. I've, I've always loved doing really good work for people, and that's kind of one of one of our values, I guess. I mean, it's pretty pretty straightforward value that every agency should have, but um, not perhaps not all agencies do. Um, but it's it's one of those things again. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm a bit more in control of of what we're doing and how we're doing it, um, and I still love doing great work with people. I think if I was just a uh, a, a strategy consultant or um, a kind of consultant creative director I wouldn't have that same um, enjoyment of working on the projects that I really mm. like doing that's not to say I won't I won't no, no, step no. into that role at some point in time sure. um, and I also do like the business challenge side of it so yeah. um, I, I haven't done any sales ever um, before I started the business which, which has been an interest, as I say, challenges. Um, there's a lot of challenges that, that you kind of you don't even think about. Um, I've got, <laughs> I'm just looking at uh, kind of things I've got to, got to do on my list, and it's it's not it's a to do list that that I ever had working for another agency, and oh, I kind of like point. that. Somebody said somebody said to me when I started out, and they run agency, and they said, you know, every day is going to be different, Andy, and and that's that kind of really struck with me and still sticks with me um, that I'm just thinking every day is different. Whereas yeah. at an agency previously, you'd go in and you'd do your hours and you maybe have a meeting and you might do a bit of creative, creative directions and sit, sit down with, with, with the development team or whatever you might be doing. But it, the, the day to day was very, you had your role, you had your job and that was it. Um, so perhaps it's not why I stepped into doing it, but it's certainly a, um, Part, a bigger part of the job which I, which I do again it's, it's the challenge I, I really kind of do like the challenge of doing it and I actually do I, I, I see it more as a challenge than I do kind of see it as running a business uh, see that's really interesting because I think I've been through that you know I think I've done that the, the day to day challenges of project managing looking after clients sitting down with people far more talented than me in terms of tech and creative and business and trying to put it all together and I think now and it's interesting right 
I don't know what you think. I'll, I'll ask you for your thoughts on it. But you, you really don't understand what you don't know. And you really don't understand what you do now once you step out on your own. Don't you find that? You Absolutely. surprise yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you do surprise yourself. And, um, and you end up learning very quickly. Um, otherwise, you're not going to get very far. Uh, but it's that, it's that natural kind of um, learning. I guess, I guess starting it out was, was relatively simple for me because it was, you know, I've got creative skills. Um, at the time, I was playing around with a bit of development and you know, I could develop a WordPress site and things like that for people. And I could build animated banners and whatever, whatever was being thrown at me at the time. Um, so I had the skills to kind of set it out. And I also had a bit of um, client relationship, which I'm, I mean, I, I, managing clients, uh, I enjoy doing. Um, sometimes it's hard work, right? But um, I do enjoy doing it. And, and I kind of had that ability anyway. So it, it seems like a logical step to go, okay, I, I don't need to bring in a creative right now. I don't need to bring in a developer to start something off. I can just start this on my own with a, with a, with a laptop and an internet connection um, and a phone. So that's kind of how it, how it started. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 there's no real amazing story to it, I'm afraid, mate. Well, there never is. <laughs> I think I think if you start off with a big story, it's, it's probably the, the wrong path to, to start going down. Yeah, there never is. It usually comes from someone who has found themselves in either in a situation through their own choice or a situation through somebody else's choice, where they're thinking, "Well, I've got to do something about this," and and they all they often think, "Well, let's just do it, do it myself." Mm. So it's, it's something really interesting, actually, um, that that when I started out and. Um, I was looking to start a business, but I knew that I'd get majority of work in the short term from agencies as a freelancer. And um, whilst I enjoyed freelancing, you get to meet a lot of people, you're stepping into other agencies, you're working on a whole bunch of different projects. Um, I really liked the client contact that I had when I was at WeClick. And that was something that as a freelancer, essentially gets taken away from you. Um, uh, you know, working with the bigger agencies, of course, they, they don't want you kind of communicating with the clients. No. So your client becomes the account team or the creative director that's within that agency. Um, and you don't get to challenge what the client's feedback is. I, I, I challenge a lot. And, and as an agency, no. we're, we're very challenging. You, <laughs> um, you know, you, you know this, mate. We're not, we're not yes people. I'm not a yes person. Um, no. and, and when the feedback comes back from, from the account thing, going, the client wants this, and you're going, but oh, it's a really bad idea. Um, you're, you're kind of just at the mercy of, of, of other people that aren't making that kind of client's decision. Um, or user's decision or whatever it might be, you're just going to go, yeah, okay, I'll make those changes and send your invoice to them. And, and it, it didn't, I, I wouldn't have, if I didn't start getting direct clients when I did, I wouldn't have continued freelancing. No. Um, it just didn't suit me. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I can relate to that sometimes. I, I have a certain, I mean, I joke with all my clients, um, at various stages over the course of a month or a relationship, I want to either want to hug them or want to kick them. Oh. There's, there's, you know, um, and likewise, I hope they want to either hug or kick me um, because it's. I think that's the. It's like a marriage. Many a time, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Good. Um, so, yeah. so, so a quick one then on that, on. just because I'm interested in this. 
so I did a I did a talk last night um, uh, to to about uh, well I don't know about fifty forty five fifty people I don't I can't, can't remember um, a, a little invite um, uh, only thing for uh, Dan Smith right fireworks so Dan's very similar to you one thing I've always admired about Dan and yourself is that not long after I met Dan he said to me um, I he never went to art college to make loads of money he went to art college to understand and deliver his creative passion and he has just managed to find his way into marketing or creative and you're quite similar to that so I was at the anyway I was at this I was doing this little talk and and someone came up to me afterwards um, not to punch me or throw their drink over me but to say interesting he this guy worked at an or had previously worked at an agency and he said to me um, what do you think the future of agencies is and I was, I thought that question had been, you know, that question is constantly asked actually, isn't it? What do you think? And I've got my own f thoughts and feelings on it um, for another time. But what do you think the future of, in inverted commas, digital agencies is? Uh, okay, so um, to start with, every agency is going to be different. So um, there will be a space for the big players, you know, you're, you're integrated advertising agencies or your big digital agencies um, of which there's a few down here they'll always have a space um, the smaller way there's definitely a rise of smaller agencies I mean I can only speak for for, for what I see in Bournemouth but um, the scene is changing quite rapidly down here with a glut, glut of smaller agencies that do have a, a more collaborative approach but for me I, I, th I think it's going to go two ways I think um, the the middle-sized agencies We'll, we'll start scaling down. Um, there you go. Uh, the bigger agencies will stay bigger, maybe grow, um, that offer a fuller service to people. Um, and the smaller agencies are going to become more niche. I mean, we're already seeing that. Um, people, agencies have realised that they can't just be a full service agency anymore. They have to offer something a little bit different. Ironically, we're all still offering the same thing. We're just trying to uh, kind of put, proposition it in a slightly different way. Um, and then there's collaboration. I think I think it's not just agencies. I think freelancers more and more will be picking up direct clients. Um, there, there there will be less reluctance from um, from clients to work with small agencies. That's what I what I believe. Um, and and the small agencies will become far more expert and specialist at what they do. Yeah. Um, whether that's a, a sustainable thing um, depends on the number of agencies around and how good they are. Um, one thing I think that agencies will need to do is become uh, more collaborative, not with, not necessarily with with each other, but certainly with clients. Uh, one thing we do with with the retained clients that we have is we do really get involved in their business um, and their business growth and strategy, which is just a it's just something we kind of I wouldn't say we fell into it, but it's something that that is kind of fitted around our our own proposition really well. And I think agencies there there will be the production side of it. Yeah. Your bigger yeah. ad agencies, they're working with bigger brands, they will be very much more on the, the creative and production side with marketing teams. Uh, but there'll be others that actually sit down, particularly those of us that work with, with smaller clients, to really get involved with, with brands and, and business strategy and growth. It's interesting. I, I broadly agree with you. I, I, I think That's there the first. are... Yeah, I know. Made them, it's been recorded as well. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna listen back to that one. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'd say I'd say the word broadly. I think um, 
oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on about it too much, but I just think that there is a growing awareness or uh, level of knowledge and education in, in client sides where they go, there is no such thing as a full service. If you're an agency that seriously thinks or seriously think that I think you can do SEO on the one hand and integrate with, I don't know, Salesforce on the other and do each of those things and everything in between to equally high standard, you must think I'm nuts. Yeah, um, uh, I totally agree, Dave. And and there's still agencies out there that, uh, I mean, there's no way we... we I don't want to proposition um, human as a full service agency. It wouldn't work. I mean, there's just so few of us here. We can't be expert at all of these things. No. Um, and we've lost we've lost um, projects because they've chosen um, a digital agency that can do web design and build and S- and throw in a bit of SEO as well. And they're like, oh, oh, you know, we want to work with one agency for everything. So we mm. do lose lose um, prospects because of that. But it, you know, it's not something that we're going to start offering because we see that as a problem um, to to running a business or, or winning work. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good point. We'll have a com- we'll have another conversation about the future of agencies. I'd quite like to do a uh, if I if I can like a roundtable podcast on that with a few guys because I yeah. think um, I think it's really important. So let's um, put that to one side for a sec and talk about you and talk about your um, your passions in terms of how because I be- I personally believe that creatives have been hugely overlooked in delivering the uh, potential of what digital can become. I think digital has, and digital in in inverted commas, you know, the broadest sense, digital has allowed itself to be taken over by, uh, and remembering who you you share an office with, um, uh, digital has been taken over by data and, and certain levels of creativity have been ignored at the at the uh, whim of getting more eyes getting in front of more eyes it doesn't matter what we get in front of more eyes we just want to get it in front of more eyes and i think creativity has certainly been lost in some aspects however i think that's changing a little bit and i think people like you and one or two others hold the key to that so how how are you and human and you and your peers going to challenge that going to change it Okay, it's very interesting. So when I Thanks, first mate. when I first started out, I uh, I had this little phrase in my head called creative user experience, which sounds like a a bit of a, a paradox. But I see creativity as being uh, it's a massive part of the experience. It's not just part of um, your engagement with the brand online. It's just a big part of the experience itself. And um, I've seen I've seen user tests around. Um, black and white wireframes and prototypes and you just don't you don't get a feel for for how um, how creativity can a increase uh, the experience of someone using a web page um, but also increase sales and, and button clicks and CTAs and click-throughs or whatever the the data metric that you're going to use to measure the success of something is so I think it's that that um, emotional side which has got lost a lot along the way um, in in between the kind of 
prototypes and wireframes and, and data-led uh, decision-making. There's a place for all of that uh, in part of the process, but it's it's not the, the, the kind of be-all and end-all because one thing we're... We're able to do at Human is is span everything from from kind of research through through idea generation, scamping, wireframe, and prototyping, whatever it might be for the project, through to creative and front end development, and and that's kind of the reason why we do that is because we do put such a an important angle on on the creativity part of it, and and it's interesting with the clients that we work with, we we work with. Uh, uh, an insurance company called Brightside um, earlier on this year, they came to us for for uh, web rebuilds. So we did a bit of a strategy session. We did some user testing um, with Experience UX. And we did some kind of internal workshops, all the research, got all the insights, turned that into IA, then turned it into wireframes. Um, and then it got interesting. Uh, so you know, the, the wireframing part of it was a requ request by the client. Um, we don't always do wireframing these days. Uh, anyway, so so it got to the point of going right. Okay, what route do we go down creatively? And I'd said to um, project lead there, and I said, you do realise we're going to be developing your brand, involving your brand quite a lot here. And he said, yeah, okay. He said, I can't tell the uh, the CEO that, but but let's crack on because basically they had a a logo um, which had. A black color, a color and an orange color in it, and that was pretty much their brand. So um, we went down some kind of really interesting routes, and they sold insurance for all kinds of things, from vans to taxis to um, bike delivery, bike riders, and there was no way we could go down a photographic route with it. Um, it would have just been all over the place, and would have been stock photography hell. So we decided to go down a um, illustrative route which actually really fitted with their audience and we did a bit of testing around that but it was a complete brand development piece uh, we're actually moving into now so we're working with with another <laughs> ironically another insurance company we do have other companies that we work with uh, but they are another insurance brand that we're currently doing a kind of a rebuild with, a rebrand with, but that's off the back of a CRO program because as soon as you start redesigning things, you are changing that brand. As soon as you start rewriting copy, you're changing that tone of voice. So, so there's a lot more to it, and um, and we're kind of working out as as you know, uh, we're working out how to measure um, emotion, emotional impacts of. Uh, creative and user experience, customer experience. It's interesting. It's, it's a feeling that you share. Someone you and I both know and admire. I think Damien Reese. He um, is. He um, doesn't quite despair, but at what the web has become in terms of pop-ups and drop-down menus and the way that this. So many user journeys are now being completely hijacked by people's desperation to get something in front of somebody at any one time. So how can creative, aligned with really good uh, UI design and user journey design, how can creative not shove stuff in front of people, but slow them down to appreciate and get a better understanding of what they're being asked to do or what they want to do how, how you know because because what's happened recently is haphazardly let's chuck a video in now let's chuck an image in there let's do this and that just adds to the confusion so where you know i'm not just talking about great you know beautiful pieces of creative art and or, online but how can we think differently to lose our addiction 
to pop-ups and 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 ads and that kind of you know do you know what i'm getting at i'm not sure i'm making myself crystal clear but no you're not mate but um (laughs) (laughs) let's go from there let's go from there so um i think i think most people on the podcast hopefully hopefully you've got some listeners um will be agreeing with this that that creativity in in the majority has fallen out of web design um you look at the majority of sites and they all they all look the same essentially they've got the same layout um hero image at the top big banner um with some copy and a cta you scroll down the page and things parallax in and all kinds of stuff but it's pretty much all the same stuff um and which which is okay uh, in a way because there's design patterns out there google are doing their best to destroy creativity on the web with um with material design, which again just seems like a, a set of tools for UX people without really thinking about the power of creativity. Um, you know, there's, there's a certain argument for, for patterns and, and memorable patterns across the web, but I think there is there's definitely a position for something very different that's usable um, out there that, that really kind of grabs people's attention. There was a great piece by um, FedEx a while back that. Um, that tracked your parcel across America mm. and you could listen to a soundtrack as it tracked across America <laughs> through the different states. Nice. So it, it would play kind of country music in, in Nashville and then, I don't know, uh, soul music in New Orleans as it went through there. In some places of Dorset, it'd be Deliverance. Yeah, what would it be in Pat? What would be in Dorchester? <laughs> Sometimes. Um, well, maybe we did, maybe we need to produce this for Dorset, but, <laughs> no. but there is, there is. I mean, it's experience, but like, how can you wireframe that? No, you can't. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it, almost the wireframing process and things like that to me have just gone. It's it's become very narrow-minded and limited. And uh, what's the point of wireframing a page um, that's going to look like every other bloody website out there? It just seems like a process for box ticking occasionally if you're not going to test it or really think about problem solving with it. Um, so I think this is, there's, there's definitely, I mean, um, you can't, don't be afraid of diving straight into creativity and building something that ain't visually um, that, that, that amazing. You can't wireframe, but it does something with sound or it does something really interactive and cool that you can't even prototype, um, or not with a static prototype anyway. Um, I think I think the web needs to become more creative, um, and certainly start delivering something a bit different for people. It's interesting. I, I would agree, and we could talk about it, and we will talk about this. I'm sure. I'd definitely like to get a to get a roundtable conversation going with, with with a few of us and recording that because I think. I mean, it's it, it's like if you ever kind of listen to. Uh, the guys at Ogilvy, if, if you kind of follow them on Twitter or something, they always talk about creativity um, and ideas being the only difference you're ever going to have over the competition. And it's that kind of understanding a brand and advertising and creativity within those those sectors that needs to start really coming into to digital. Yeah. Um, which which the, the ad companies and the integrated companies out there that, that do come up with the big ideas and they have the awesome art directors will do some really amazing stuff on the web. Yeah. Um, digital agencies who concentrate less on kind of the advertising side of it and more more um, web production orientated still need to be able to reach that that, that creative angle um, because it's the only point of difference that we're going to have um, moving down the line. 
that's a good point for us to shift shift from where we are now to forward thinking and think about let's broaden it out let's let's look because you know we talk about all different kinds of things if you were to, to to project forward a few two three four years who knows two three four months everything could change right but but if you were to look at uh, we talked about Olga Vroom people like that if you were to look at a brand um, a company a business that that you thought okay they're they're making this this blend this connection between creativity and digital they're making it work they're doing it in a different way they're being brave enough to challenge what has potentially become convention what what brand immediately springs to mind that you think yeah okay they 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 might not be getting it right but they're trying something oh you could have asked me this uh, question before we started that's a beauty um, <laughs> you said this wasn't going to be challenging ah. um there's pockets of it i don't i can't off the top of my head think of a brand that has branded themselves in such a way online that their main um their main kind of digital platforms are that that kind of crazy and different they'll they'll try it out with microsites and, and uh, which is very exciting uh but, oh, but isn't that ironic? To, let me think. let me give you a bit more time i'm trying to think i'll give you a bit more time but isn't that ironic right because digital transformation has been going on eight years nine years maybe billions of pounds have been spent mainly on management consultancies to transform businesses from from uh, unfortunately this is where it's gone off the inside out right very few go what the what the customers want what the users want what do what is going to engage emotionally those people right is that going to work right let's let's align our business on our model on our technology and our our business principles around that because digital transformation is being offered, it's been going on for years. But still there's not one brand that, and I agree, I can't think of one of the, I can think of a couple, but I can't think of one global brand that's doing something really good, apart from, you know, apart from the, the obvious candidates, the, you know, the tech-based firms, but there's not one historical brand that's going, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna shift this around and we're gonna make something different, which I think is quite, which kind of basically reinforces what you're saying. That the that the web is a very safe area, yeah. and, and people don't challenge themselves, and, and, and brands don't really challenge themselves. They do, as I say, they'll do it with a microsite yeah. or something that's a bit safer that they can try something a bit different with. But actually, the the, the front face of the web, yeah. not not really. It's it's a really interesting point, and I, do you know what I'm going to go and do after I've been on here? Is um, I don't want to know. Go and find, try and find, <laughs> try to try and find the brand out there that's doing something uh, really different with with the front the front facing side oh, of, of their web presence. Um, so let's so let's pause from the web for a minute, and let's mean you have got a, a love of a particular sport, well, a passion really. We know it's more more than love; it's a passion for a particular sport. In, in in common so so what why 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 cricket why do you love it so much what you know we've talked about this off and on but why what has made you just adore it um oh very this is challenging me today dave um i'm in i'm in i'm in party mode i want to go out oh, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um what i just do you know what? I, I couldn't tell you about the game itself, what I really like about it. Um, but for me, it's, um, you know, I like a one-day game. I like a, 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 to sit there 
all day going to the cricket is is just a, a beautiful thing to go and do rather than uh, I do like I mean other sports that are available I used to be a big ice hockey fan when I lived up in Cardiff mm, I used to be okay. a season ticket holder uh, which is a completely different type of game obviously to the complete opposite to, to cricket uh, particularly test match cricket uh, I, I love test match cricket um, sitting there for four or five days watching um, a sport which just happens to be going on whilst you're drinking beer um, <laughs> and, and, and eating fish and chips and, and, and bad curries and things like that is um, it's just it's just a beautiful way to spend a couple of days and and for the first time I've I've started going to entire test matches and it's not until you go to all five days of a test match that you really realise what it's about. The way the, the game ebbs and flows, you're sure there's boring bits to it, and then something happens and the, and the crowd get excited, and by three o'clock in the afternoon most people are drunk and singing songs, and, and it starts getting a bit, you know, a little bit raucous, but in a, in a, in a, in a, a safe and friendly kind of manner. Mm. Um, I just think it's, it's such a technical game as well, mm. and it's a real battle of, of two different... Types you've got a batsman, essentially a batsman and bowler, right? Uh, but the, that kind of battle between certain players and bat and ball um, and series that, that teams play. So it's not it's it's not like football where you play your team once and before Christmas and once afterwards. You know you're playing five matches in a row, so the rivalries build up and there's always a, a there's a, a real story to a cricket match um, that, that I guess you unless you go to one. You don't really realise it's, it's there. Um, is there a story to a football match? It has to be a really good football match for that to happen. Yeah. Um, it's it's that kind of story play, if you like, that that really is exciting um, I, my, to, to kind of see. I agree. I, I think that's why we share it. I think it's life wrapped up in five days. You know, you start off full of energy, vim, vigour, thinking the future is your own and you're, and you're, and you're relatively clean, unsullied and uh, innocent. And then at the start of the first day and by the, fifth, the end of the fifth day, you're basically on your knees scrambling about in the dirt, desperately trying to find any way you can out of the terrible situation you find yourself in. And, and all things in between. And it is, <laughs> it is that, it is that it's, five, it's a microchasm of life in five days. And I don't know what other sport you get that in. You might get it in tennis, maybe, with the ebbs and flows of tennis in a, in a match, um, uh, but not stretched out over, over and, and not stretched out over five days where you have. And, and that's why I think it's probably one of the mentally toughest sports because mm. you go to bed thinking about it, and you wake up the next day and you are, you, you're not, you're not kind of reflect. You have to clear stuff from your mind and go again, and then you have to do it the next day and then the next day, and I think. And there's no coincidence, I don't think, that significant cricketers have had mental health issues. And, 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 mm -hmm. I, and I think it is that, 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 that drawn out anguish or success over a period of time that I just think is exhausting. And um, yeah, I, I, absolutely, I absolutely adore it. So where do you think, to wrap up, because you want to go and have your drink, um, where... If we're if we're sitting here and having a similar conversation, you know, we've got the we're recording the podcast. What, how do you think the the okay? Two questions. How do you think the creative influence over the digital platform will have changed, if anything, over the next twelve, maybe twenty four months, maybe two years? And how do you think? 
what type of organisation is it going to take to really grab the ball by the horns in terms of, of, of a brand taking the lead on that? Over two years, yeah, I don't think say, it's going to change. Don't. I don't think no. I don't think it's going to change much over two years. I think you're going to still see the same kind of websites now. What will change is um, new technologies. Obviously, they're constantly changing the environment we work in. Yeah, but I'm going to interrupt. How, but these new technologies mean nothing if there's actually actually no change in the fundamental basics, right? So why? So are these new technologies just a um, diversion because we're not actually going to change anything? Are they a diversion? Are they a diversion? Oh, you know, is voice a diversion at the moment? There are, there are Every, there's arguments that well, it is, right? So, yes, it is. Um, so, technologies are only as good as, are only going to work how the people that use them work. Um, so, voice, for example, we don't really know what people are going to do with voice. Google and Amazon have put tools out. Put, put tools out there. Will will it catch on? I don't really know. Um, you know, we've done a bit of work with, with voice and that ourselves, and um, it's kind of like, I mean, okay. So Siri has been around for for years. Half the population um, are walking around with something in the pocket. In fact, everybody's walking around with something in their pocket that they can voice activate. Do people really use it? Oh, I haven't got the stats, but um, I don't really believe they do. Mm. So I think we'll see a trend in more and more tech coming out that people don't use. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 2016 was the year of the smart or wearable technology. Okay. I don't see anybody apart from techies and UX people walking around with uh, Apple watches on. Um, fair point. Runners with Garmin's all right. There's certain markets for certain things, but this kind of mass usage of of certain technologies, I don't think it's going to happen. So mm. it's kind of finding that 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 part of um, the technology that works for the right type of people, which is obviously part of our, our proposition um, that we've, we've kind of been working on. Um, where does creative sit in it all? Yeah, what, ah, what company I, do, you, do you... Yeah, go on, sorry. So Dave, I can't tell you that because um, I don't want to be able to predict the creative future. Ah. Um, and I don't think you can. That's like that's like saying uh, during art history, I knew that the um, you know um, the the the, the uh, post impressionism was going to be a thing <gasps> during, during Rembrandt's period. You can, Brilliant, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't tell you that, mate. It took me a while to think of that. How one. proud are you? Um, How proud are you? you know, yourself, if, if if Rembrandt predicted post impressionism, <laughs> then he was an absolute genius. Um, who knows? That's the beauty of creativity. And if creativity starts going down another angle, then we're just doing the same shit we're doing right now, just in a completely different way, and we're all still the same. Mm -hmm. Creativity is about being unique. It's about coming up with something very different. So I don't think you can predict it. I think that is... A... To answer your question no, I think in it's... a roundabout way. No, I think it's brilliant. And I think bringing Rembrandt into the conversation is a perfect time to end. Because I think it's a, it's a very, very fair point. Um, so, thank you, mate. I, I very much appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, That's all right. You, yeah, you have a, uh, an absolutely wonderful drink up tonight because you and quite a few of my clients know of my dislike of social situations. Um, yeah, we so, haven't invited you. I know, that's brilliant. That's what I love, <laughs> that's what I love about you. We're having our party. You're not coming. Brilliant. Everyone's happy. Um, I, did that, I, I did that by text, didn't I? You did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I texted you to say you weren't invited. Yeah. <laughs> I just, that 
that is like bingo. There we go. I'm happy. You're happy. I'm happy. Everyone's happy. Um, <laughs> no, thanks, mate. That's brilliant. Thank you so all much. Mate. Cheers, mate. No worries Thank at all. Mate. Cool. Hey, thanks for thanks for getting this far. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, you poor people. <laughs> um, so I hope you enjoyed that um, conversation with Andy. It was um, really it was is really interesting for me to listen to creatives and. Uh, one of the interesting things that, that came up, I thought, was um, sameness in design and sameness in 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 digital product, which which is has in many ways restricted the ability of creators to do something different. And, and actually, Andy did say in the in in the podcast when I actually unfairly to be uh, to be honest, put him on the spot around any brands doing something different. He went off and looked at some. He, he was true to his word. He went off and looked at some of the biggest brands in the world and their websites. And um, he, he sent me a text not long after the end of the podcast. Um, and I'll read you what he said in his text. Um, well, I've been through the websites of the 100 biggest brands in the world and they all look the fucking same. Um, so there you go. They've, <laughs> they're conforming to, a, to a, a preset set of guidelines, really. And, and actually, Andy touched on material design um, in the podcast and it's something we're, I'm going to talk about in the new year um, but material design is uh, set, it's really kind of pushed by Google um, Google is a money making machine and um, the more people that conform to, to its material design method and mechanism um, the more money they make um, and it's um, it's really interesting angle but that's for another, another podcast all that's left for me to say is if you listen to this before Christmas, I, I really wish you and your families and your loved ones a really happy Christmas and New Year. If you listen to this after Christmas and New Year, I hope you had a lovely time. Um, there'll be some more newsletters and podcasts coming out soon. Um, but until then, look after yourself and, and take care. Cheers.